Such a fool. His entire family is here. His girlfriend. His, by the way, are his parents named Paul and Paulina? <laughs> I didn't even check that, actually. <laughs> those are great. Those are beautiful names if you're listening, George family. Oh, man. <laughs> Why is this? I can't, I can't do it, dude. I can't do it. No, no, I think it's Paul, Paul, and Paul. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> it's so good. I realize that isn't any better. <laughs> Paul, it's <laughs> still Paul. It's oh shit, that's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where there may not be an I in team, but there is a D in Dwight, and it's a big, bolded, capitalized D. And thank God for that, because it seems like the Lakers are going to be able to make defense their calling card this season. Um, This is going to be the Dwight Howard Show. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm going to have to do it by myself, solo pod. My co-hosts Tommy and Alan were unable to hop on with me tonight, but we are planning to record sometime this week, so look forward to that. But I felt like I just had to get this episode out in celebration of Dwight Howard, the prodigal son, Lakers most hated for quite a while now. Um, Most hated, most comically taunted, most slandered. But now, Dwight Howard's looking like the most endearing, redemptive fan-favorite player on this Lakers squad. Uh, I know that's how it is for me personally, just because I'm a person who believes in redemption, and that story arc is sort of cathartic for me to see somebody struggle through his career for so long, lose his way, and then come back and prove to people that he means what he's talking about and means what he says. So Dwight Howard, player of the game for me tonight as the Lakers beat the Charlotte Hornets. 120 to 101 in convincing fashion, even though that's not how it seemed like they were going to win through the first three quarters. Um, I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. Welcome to the Lakers Legacy Podcast. This is going to be a short one just because I'm doing this solo and I tend to ramble myself into oblivion, so I will spare you guys as much as I can. Yeah, the Lakers won 120 to 101. And my biggest takeaway from this game is the fact that it seems like we have a good team again and one that can sleepwalk through games like this against lower opponents. Obviously, you don't like it when they become complacent and they play down to their opponent like the Charlotte Hornets. But I think this is a sort of different case with the Lakers this year just because as far as I can tell, the way that Frank Vogel is messing around with the lineups and guys are still getting to know each other, 
I think the Lakers are using their early soft schedule as a pseudo preseason extension. That that's how I'm viewing it. I think they're keeping the I think they're keeping the bigger picture in mind here and understanding that they still need to work some kinks out. They're still trying out different rotations. Uh, guys like Quinn Cook and Troy Daniels are still getting themselves integrated because they barely played in preseason. And we just had a strange preseason in general, having to play the Warriors four straight times, sitting guys like two or three games, uh, having to play in China. So in a sense, the Lakers are going through the latter portion of their preseason now. And luckily, they have the ability to do so with this soft schedule, starting with the Charlotte Hornets. And man, through through the first half, through the first three quarters, the Lakers were clearly sleepwalking through this game. They were pretty much just winning and treading water by simply out-talenting the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, I will say, though, that... Dwight Howard was really the emotional boost that this team needed tonight from a defensive end. He was the defensive general. He finished the game with 16 points, 8 of 8 from the field, 10 rebounds, 1 assist, only 1 turnover, 4 blocks. It says he has 0 steals here, but I swear to God, Dwight Howard is deflecting those passes left and right and really causing havoc with his hands um, on the defensive end. And his effort was palpable. You could see it jumping out of the screen. And I was so proud of Dwight Howard uh, tonight. He was a team high plus 23. I think coming into tonight, he had the highest net rating on the team. And look, it's just three games. I want to try and calm myself down as well. But Dwight Howard, I am very, very proud of you. It's uh, For some reason, I get emotional talking about Dwight because like I mentioned, it the, these types of storylines really get me. Just the ebb and flow of a person's journey, uh, struggling through it all, coming right back up. Obviously, he still has a long way to go, but early returns on Dwight Howard are pretty much more than we could have expected. Even given the fact that we were a Lakers podcast that was pretty optimistic about his prospects, given the contract that the Lakers gave him and how no risk it was and how we, we sort of had him at, at the barrel of a gun. But it seems like we won't really have to worry about that. And now it's almost like, should we have given Dwight Howard a non-guaranteed second year deal, you know? Um, but again, it's early. Props to Dwight Howard for being the defensive general tonight and really all three games to start this season. He was incredible in the Utah game as well, which was pretty much a grit and grinded out sort of game for the Lakers that was won on the defensive end. His stats didn't show it that game. He only had 2.7 rebounds. He did have two steals and two blocks, but most of all, you could still feel his activity and energy there. And I think in the Utah game, he also had the second best plus minus uh, only behind LeBron James with plus 13. So props to Dwight Howard. Please keep it up. Please keep the energy up because it seems like JaVale McGee will continue to sort of uh, wane here, ebb and flow and uh, be wishy-washy throughout the season. And it's good to have Dwight Howard there to keep him in check. Although JaVale had a had a better game tonight. Uh, 10 points, 5 of 8 from the field, 4 rebounds, 1 steal. But Dwight Howard clearly is getting his legs back. He's getting those blocks. He had that really nice um, reverse dunk alley-oop from Danny Green. But more so... Even though he's lost his lift, I really like that Dwight Howard is just a, a more grounded defender than JaVale McGee. He's really moving his feet on the perimeter, and you can tell that in terms of basketball IQ-wise, there's like a huge gap between Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee in terms of positionally how smart they are on the floor defensively. 
So yeah, I think I've gone like six minutes talking about Dwight Howard. I'll leave it there. This was the Dwight Howard game. Hopefully he keeps it up. If he can just do this for 15 to 20 minutes off the bench, um, it'll be an incredible boost for our team. And you could see how he was the catalyst to energizing even LeBron James in the third and fourth quarter, where LeBron James like had zero points through the first quarter and a half and ended up with 20 points by the end of it and had some really nice athletic dunks at the end there. So Dwight Howard from all aspects, really energized this team. I think at a certain point, he was getting Quinn Cook to play some defense and contest as well, which is which is no small task. All right, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis hit three threes tonight. He was three of five from three. That was a sight for sore eyes. I know he's been struggling with his jump shot, so it was nice to see him get some three-pointers to fall. Um, 29 points, 14 rebounds, three assists, three blocks, one steal. He did have five turnovers, but... Again, it is so refreshing to have someone like Anthony Davis who is this good. The reports out right now are are that he's dealing with some sort of shoulder discomfort. Hopefully it's nothing big. At the time of this recording, I don't know the final diagnosis on that, but it doesn't seem like it's a big deal. I will say, and I mentioned it on Twitter, as coordinated as Anthony Davis is with the ball at times, he is also just as equally reckless with his body and reckless in his flailing of his arms and legs uh, other times. And it's it's very <laughs> it's very nerve-wracking to see him just throw his body around like he's a ragdoll. Or like that gif I showed on Twitter, like he's one of those inflatable car salesman balloon things that just flail around in the air. He really hits the deck hard a lot. His legs fly around a lot really awkwardly. Someone on Twitter had the best description for this. He said... AD is the most coordinated baby giraffe I've ever seen. And that's from at Ron UJ the Great. And I couldn't agree more. So Anthony Davis, if we could please just tone that down a little bit or learn how to work with your limbs a little bit more. And yeah, just uh, let's just adjust the slider down a little bit and be a little less reckless when it comes to your body. But otherwise, dominant performance from Anthony Davis again. Before tonight, I mentioned it on Twitter that it's crazy that Anthony Davis coming into tonight was really struggling from all accounts. You know, he uh, was shooting really inefficiently. He hadn't hit a three or, or even a jump shot yet. I said on Twitter, this is the clunkiest and most inefficient version of Anthony Davis we're likely going to see as he continues to learn how to play with LeBron and this new roster and adjust to Frank Vogel's coaching. And yet, in spite of all that, in spite of this being a pretty bad stretch, rough stretch for Anthony Davis, coming into tonight, he was still averaging 23 points, 8 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 1.5 steals, 3.5 blocks. Those are incredible numbers, and this dude's worst stretches are some guy's best all-star seasons. And you saw tonight things sort of click a little better for Anthony Davis, and the efficiency was there, 10 for 19. The blocks were still there, three blocks. He had five blocks in the Utah game. It is just so refreshing to have a guy this talented, this skilled, this dominant, who can sort of coast into games like this. Not unlike LeBron James, but we're seeing a prime Anthony Davis do this. And, you know, a lot of the time, you see him go through the motions of the game and you'll look up and all of a sudden you'll realize in the first half that he has 17 points already, eight rebounds, two blocks. And it's ridiculous the stats that this guy can compile. But you can also see how he affects the game defensively these last few these last few nights for the Lakers where he's just altering shots. And now the block, the block stats are following that up. And 
thank God the last two games with LeBron James, there's been a little more synergy. They've played a lot more pick and roll. Obviously, in the Utah game, LeBron James had that tremendous lob to Anthony Davis where LeBron James lofted the ball high into the air and, and Anthony Davis was still able to catch it, freeze frame on his long ass right arm, hella above the white box that sits atop the basketball rim and him just throwing it down with ferocity. I mean, that was a that was a destroyer of world type of dunk and uh, it's nice to see LeBron James and Anthony Davis get that cohesion back together and play off of one another because they are much more lethal when both of them are working in tandem than when both of them are doing the my turn your turn thing even though that is still uh, a best case scenario for other teams uh, which is crazy to think about but yeah props to Anthony Davis these last two games for bringing it on the defensive end just cool it on the uh, reckless abandon flailing of body arms and limbs and, and whatnot um so yeah, I've gone like 13 minutes and I've only talked about Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis. Um, I think I'll throw it to our sponsors really quick and put a break mark right here. And then when I return, we'll just tie up some loose ends with regards to some other players that I want to talk about. I know people want to hear about Alex Caruso. And then maybe we'll also go through the Lakers' next few games and just assess the schedule a little bit and how it kind of gives the Lakers a nice sort of cushion and buffer to continue to work work the kinks out of their rotations. It's clear that Frank Vogel is a uh, is very liberal about the way that he likes to toy around with these rotations. I'm sure at some point uh, his players will get annoyed, but this early into the season, I think every everyone's bought into the championship mentality, and maybe and maybe that'll carry its way through. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about the rotations a little bit, and uh, but yeah, we'll pitch it to our sponsors first. But before we do that, I'd like to just remind you guys to please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes. The last episode, I made an impassioned plea to you guys, the listeners, to please rate and review us on iTunes. And I was a little apprehensive about being a little transparent about how I was feeling with regards to this podcast. I I thought it might backfire on me talking about how, how much work I do, how tired I've been, how burnt out I've kind of sort of been feeling. I... I hesitated to let you guys know about that because I know a lot of people will typically respond to that by saying, I don't appreciate the pity party and and all that stuff. And I I totally get that. So I was definitely a little bit apprehensive about putting that out there. But I just have to say that I've been really blown away by the support that we've gotten since I just kind of let you guys in a little bit to my little diary of sorts of what goes on and how I'm feeling as I go through this podcast journey. But man, you guys really stepped up. You guys really responded. And and I'm just really humbled by the support and the words of affirmation that you guys have thrown our way uh, just in the last few days since that last podcast episode. I think we were at 346 five-star rating and reviews on iTunes. And since then, we're at 362. So thank you, thank you for all those who have gone on iTunes just to write a review Thanks to those who have slid into my DMs and followed me on my personal social media accounts. That, I know that that seems kind of weird, but I actually really appreciate it. Shout out to Jason Lamb of Lakers Ground for being the first to do that and just letting us know that he really appreciates us and, and kind of telling us to keep our head up, not listen to the haters and, and keep pushing through. Everybody knows what Lakers Ground is. That site is so pivotal to Lakers Nation giving fans a platform and a forum to express their thoughts even before Twitter. So to have a guy like Jason who created LG back in the day give us that affirmation and give us that encouragement means a lot. 
And then shout out to Christina for also sliding into my DMs about the Lakers and just giving me some dap and giving us some dap on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Follow me on Instagram at jhun88. Also follow my photography Instagram account, jhoney with the shot, j-h-u-n-n-y with the shot. But most of all, thank you again for following us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod and rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It's an important reminder that I also have to remind myself of to support the creators that we listen to and enjoy because all this stuff is free. I mean, I guess for you guys, the price you have to pay is listening to my corny jokes, but for the most part, it is free and we kind of take that for granted. Uh, We just kind of plug in, tune out on our long drives to work, listen, ingest, and we forget to kind of sort of appreciate the content creators who push this stuff out. And so I really appreciate that you guys took well to my little plea there. We're going to start reading the ratings and reviews again like we used to do. And so tonight, before I pitch it to our sponsors, and I know this segment has gone a little bit long, I just wanted to read one such review. And fittingly enough, this comes from Return of the Dwight on iTunes. Title of this review is So Good with Five O's. Perfect for five stars on iTunes. Uh, Return of the Dwight says, Sup, fellas, you guys are straight up fire with five E's and three flame emojis. He says, you guys give good takes and bring in some unique guests. I don't even have an Apple slash iTunes account and made one to support you fellas. Keep on fighting the good fight. Hashtag quest for 17. So thank you very much, Return of the Dwight, for even just going the extra mile of creating an iTunes account to leave a review. I mean, that's the the type of stuff that I guess just really humbles me and reminds me that We have a really, really awesome group of listeners and fans, even though I feel weird saying that you guys are fans because we're not anything big. But I just want you guys to know that we really appreciate you. And thank you, thank you, thank you. With that said, finally, I will turn it to our sponsors. And when we return, we'll, we'll wrap this episode up. Okay, so let's talk about uh, who, who do we want to talk about here? Um, Let's talk about the Lakers and defense. It sure seems like that's what's going to be their calling card this season. And I guess it's no surprise because Frank Vogel was a defensive coach. I mean, even Jason Kidd was sort of known for his defensive tendencies. Lionel Hollins, especially with that grit and grind Memphis Grizzlies squad. The Lakers had some lapses in this game with regards to defending the three-point line. And we saw some of those issues, some of those issues arise in the Brooklyn games in preseason. But the Lakers were able to shore that up in the second half, holding the Charlotte Hornets to about 2 of 17 from 3. So they they were really able to adjust. And I have really dug how the Lakers are putting an emphasis and putting their identity on defense. And the fact that you can go from Anthony Davis leading the team and the starting unit to Dwight Howard being that general off the bench is pretty incredible. And and I, I really don't want to forget to highlight Danny Green and Avery Bradley's efforts and Alex Caruso. These three guards and these three wings are causing so much havoc and breaking up so many plays from the other team, breaking up lobs even. It is just creating like a swell of momentum for us on the other end and we're able to leak out and transition all of a sudden. All of a sudden, offense is flowing better. All because of the defense. Before the Utah Jazz game, we... Our transition points were pretty much non-existent, but because of our defense, 
you saw us starting to get out on the break more. Anthony Davis just grabbing the rebound and initiating uh, the offense off his own dribble in transition. LeBron James even being more assertive to push the pace and push the ball. So credit that to our defense. Avery Bradley, Danny Green, their hands, they're, they've been super handsy, as has Dwight Howard. I, I've never seen so many deflections and ball taps in my life. And it is really disrupting the other team. Alex Caruso, I mean, the last two games, the, the moment that he got inserted into the game, he pretty much changed the entire dynamic with his defense. Tonight, he came in and immediately hit a three. And then, I mean, he's just so solid moving his feet. He's a strong guy. He's pretty strong as a guard, really knows how to utilize his height. He had that really nice steal into the Hammer Caruso, signature Hammer Caruso dunk. Yeah, we have the makings and DNA of potentially a really, really good defensive team if everybody can stay healthy and if JaVale McGee can sort of hop along for the ride here. But yeah, you're you're just seeing things sort of coming together where even though our offense is super clunky right now, and I'll put an asterisk on that and just caveat that by saying that I, it's, I think it's very clear that the Lakers are still working the kinks out. They're still working the kinks out of their rotations, clearly, but also just their, their chemistry on offense. You know, how, how much does LeBron James defer to Anthony Davis? How much does Anthony Davis defer to LeBron James? How much do both of them allow guys like Avery Bradley or Quinn Cook to get into the flow of things? Uh, tonight, you saw Quinn Cook have eight assists and zero turnovers, um, but he was also pretty effective off ball, draining two threes, you know? Um, I think it's clear that LeBron James, the first couple of games, has kind of held himself back for the benefit of the team, just making sure that he's giving other guys a chance here. Um, so I think the offense will slowly start to tighten itself up and, and work itself out um, as they get more comfortable with each other. And obviously, Kyle Kuzma's not even here yet. We heard and, and he mentioned on Twitter that he that he's ready to show off his playmaking chops, his on-ball ability. So that's really exciting to add that new dynamic to the team. But yeah, overall, I mean, obviously, the offense has looked pretty clunky. It's, it's looked Byron Scott-esque at times, especially in the Utah Jazz game. But because the Lakers have been so solid defensively, that sort of hasn't mattered because it's helped the Lakers tread water till, till that point where they clearly just out-talent the other team and show their muscle. And that happened in the Charlotte Hornets game where this was a pretty close game through three quarters and we ended up winning by 19, you know? Um, I guess I wasn't ever too in doubt of the final result, but it's nice to see the Lakers be able to sort of coast, work the kinks out, but but eventually still uh, throw that haymaker at the end. And you saw it in the Utah Jazz game as well, where that they only won by nine points, but I felt like that final score was not indicative of how dominant the Lakers were defensively and how at times they made the Utah Jazz look like a G League team because they couldn't get any shots up or get any clean looks. It didn't look like the Utah Jazz even had a system in place because the Lakers guards, the Lakers bigs were just breaking sets up and causing havoc on, on the defensive end. So, and you know, the Utah Jazz are a very well coached team with a pretty good offensive scheme and fundamental system behind them. Granted, Bojan Bogdanovic wasn't there. He would have helped them out a lot with the spacing, but overall the last few games, the Lakers defensively, if this is a preview of what's to come, I'm very, very excited. So, yeah, if we can hang our hat on defense, that's the exact sort of thing that will 
uh, propel us in the playoffs because in the playoffs, the game slows down. It becomes a more grid and grind defensive sort of game. And the offense gets less complicated in the playoffs. It really becomes your turn, my turn. LeBron James, you get the ball and do something with it. Anthony Davis, you do the same and we'll hold it down on the defensive end. So it's nice to see that sort of manifesting itself in the regular season because you know in the playoffs that's that's the type of ball that you kind of want to play this dirty muck it up sort of ball and I, I like that the Lakers are slowly slowly starting to make that part of their identity hey shout out to KCP 10 points 4 of 8 from the field 2 of 4 from 3 2 assists 1 steal the floodgates of heaven really opened up after he got that layup goal 10. It's funny because the ball didn't even go in the basket, but I guess him just knowing that he had two points to his name, a season high two points, was enough for him to get the lid off and start hitting shots from all over the court. So props to KCP for finally um, being competent on the offensive end and also being really good on the defensive end as well. We just need him to be this solid and for him to not go off script and start doing the uh, extra Mamba dribbles and whatnot into contested jump shots. So if he can just stay within his role, stay in his lane, just like Dwight Howard is doing, then we can all be KC sort of pleased. Um, Shout out to Troy Daniels in the Utah Jazz game for just lighting it up from three and being such a solid poor man's J.J. Redick-esque sort of player. Um, he's really showing something, and, and he's really showing something on the defensive end. These guys are really buying in, and I'm, I'm so proud of all of it. It is very refreshing just to see the effort. And even if they get beat on certain plays or they are they have mental lapses on the perimeter or in pick-and-roll defense, you know that with this veteran group, they're going to adjust, they're going to talk to each other, and they'll find a way to correct things. And, and I guess that's the beauty of having a veteran team. So... Props to Troy Daniels for bringing it on both ends. Um, Quinn Cook. So I might have to eat some crow this early on on Quinn Cook. Um, He is very, very bad on defense. Um, I knew he was bad on defense, but I did not know he was this bad. He is like Isaiah Thomas bad. He might as well be 5'9 out there. I'm sure he's not that much taller, but he, he plays smaller than he is. He just gets eaten up by not even screens, just literally by another guy coming near him. Um, He's always behind his man. It's not a pretty sight, but yeah, hopefully Alex Caruso ends up taking some of those minutes. But yeah, I think I'm going to have to eat some crow on on Quinn Cook. And even offensively, I'm starting to see his deficiencies and why he's never been able to make the leap as a point guard. He is a very soft, unathletic guard who, even though he has some nifty dribbles in his bag, Uh, And and we saw one at the end of the game tonight where he had that really nice and slick crossover into the layup. Even in spite of that, he is just not strong. He can't get to his positions on the court. He can't do that Steve Nash parole the paint and get the guy in jail dribble move because he kind of just gets tossed around by whoever's defending him, even off of a screen. So I think that's why Quinn Cook has has never been able to reach that next level of becoming like a starter, a consistent starter level point guard. So I'm going to have to readjust my expectations on him a little bit. But even having said that, he did have 12 points tonight, three rebounds, eight assists, zero turnovers, and he did hit two threes. Uh, So that was nice to see. And it's also nice to see Frank Vogel use three guard sets. At a certain point, we had Quinn Cook, Alex Caruso, and KCP all out there. 
But yeah, I'm definitely going to have to temper my expectations on Quinn Cook. Sorry for leading you guys astray. I was a bit too lit on the Quinny Cook stuff. He's going to be that sort of three minutes to end the first quarter, three minutes to end the third quarter sort of bench boost guy who can provide you with a little bit of shooting. But I don't think Frank Vogel can consistently use him, especially when Rajon Rondo returns and especially as he continues to amp up Alex Caruso's minutes because it's clear Alex Caruso deserves more minutes. He has been a catalyst and a game changer, literally a game changer every time he stepped onto the court. And he's started to also mellow down a little bit, settle down, and allowed the game to come more to him and not make those crazy passes and and bad reads and whatnot. So I think that'll do it. Um, Shout out to Danny Green, obviously, for, for once again being Mr. Dependable, being the glue guy that just does everything right. He's very quiet. He was only two for 10 from the field tonight, but that does not tell the whole story. Again, he is right at ice cream. He's a sure thing. You know what you're going to get, and you know what you're going to get in the good sense. So um, shout out to Danny Green. With that said, I think that'll do it for our episode. Like I mentioned, the Lakers' next stretch of games is pretty soft and pretty easy. They play Memphis on Tuesday. Uh, although the Memphis Grizzlies beat the Brooklyn Nets tonight, um, they seem like a scrappy little group. John Morant's looking good. Brandon Clark as well. Um, and then they go on the road to face the Dallas Mavericks. That may be a pretty tough test. And then they face the San Antonio Spurs in San Antonio on Sunday. And then after that, they play in Chicago. So that might be a little tougher for the Lakers to sort of navigate through. So hopefully they can get that win under their belt against the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll see how they fare on the road. Uh, Chicago's a a better team this year, that's for sure. Um, They have more depth. But after Chicago, we're at home again versus Miami versus Toronto. Um, Jimmy Butler should be back for that Miami game. And then we play Phoenix on the road. Monty Williams has that team clicking. Uh, But after that, it's Golden State, Sacramento, Atlanta, Oklahoma City, all at home. And the only back-to-back games we have in this next month are a back-to-back between Phoenix and Golden State and those two teams. Phoenix has looked pretty good, but in my eyes, they're still a tank team. And Golden State is pretty much a G League team. So that back-to-back shouldn't hurt us too much. And then the only other back-to-back we have after that to end November is against Oklahoma City and Memphis on the road. So those are two teams that we should beat if we're taking them seriously. I'm not exactly sure where I have the Lakers record-wise after this stretch, um, but all things considered, this is a better schedule that you could have hoped for if you're the Lakers and trying to get into a groove and trying to work the kinks out of your rotation. And I'm assuming Kyle Kuzma is going to come back uh, within the next week or so, so that'll be another adjustment for the Lakers um, and another guy they'll have to integrate. So if the Lakers can go, let's see, Yeah, if the Lakers can just win, like, 8 out of their next 11 or 12 games, that'll put them at, that'll put them at, like, 10 and 4, 10 and 5. That's, that's a pretty solid start for them. And so, I think this, this early soft schedule for the Lakers is a, is a, is a huge blessing because, again, it gives them that cushion, it gives them that buffer uh, to continue to coalesce as a team and find that cohesion and, um, yeah, I'll give some props to Frank Vogel for being sort of quirky and kinky with his lineups. Like I mentioned and intimated earlier, that might come back to bite him in the future, but it seems like this team is all in. They know what they have to do. They know the sacrifices they have to make. And 
hopefully not many guys will be griping because they know their minutes can can be jostled about here and there throughout the season and they just have to be ready when their name is called. So hopefully everybody has that philosophy and mentality and it seems like that's going to be the case. And um, yeah, again, it is it is just so refreshing to, uh, to, to root for this team, to have the Dwight Howard redemption story on top of everything else. Kyle Kuzma's coming back. I've been pushing it out there that Kyle Kuzma is like our Rufio. He's that young guy, young upstart guy who can give us that boost of energy. And I'm looking forward to him coming back. So Rufio. And uh, yeah, man, it is, uh, it's such a nice feeling to once again have a Lakers team that can out-talent another team and sleepwalk and coast through different segments of the game and still put the game away, out-muscle, a team and just exert their dominance and overwhelm these bad teams. Hopefully that doesn't bleed into complacency, but as far as the start of this season goes, I'm going to chalk it up to them still um, learning how to play with each other. So uh, with that said, thank you guys for listening. This is the Lakers Legacy Podcast. This is Jonathan Hernandez doing a solo pod. I hope you were able to bear with me through this. Doing these solo pods, let me tell you, they are not fun for me. I'm very scared about doing them because I'm wondering how many people will stick with me through like 30 minutes of just me solo talking because I hate my own voice. Um, But thank you guys for listening. And uh, yeah, the next episode will be, I think, with me and Tommy. We're planning to record maybe after the Grizzlies game this week. So look forward to that. And uh, if you haven't yet checked it out, please check out our last episode where we went through a whole list of potential point guards on the trade and buyout market that the Lakers could eventually take a look at if they find that LeBron James really needs more help handling the ball and taking that that load off of him. And especially if Rajon Rondo is not going to be able to get the job done and he continues to be banged up. Um, so check that episode out. And with that said, I will leave it right there. As usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us five stars on iTunes. Thank you. Thank you guys for doing that. And for all the, the recent reviewers who have done so. Cannot say enough about how much that means to me and how much that means to us. It's a good reminder for us that people like our content somehow. <laughs> but yeah, let's go. Lakers are two and one. It's lit. Dwight Howard, baby. Who would have thunk it? Not me. Not me. But here we are. Whatever that Paul Rudd new video meme is. But yeah. Okay. We'll catch you next time. Peace.